0: hello everyone merry christmas happy new year thank you for joining me for hawkeye talk jimmy hawk season two episode 38 hoping everyone has enjoyed the holidays maybe got a little time off work spent some time with family and friends and getting ready for a new year we kicked that off with the hawkeyes at noon playing kentucky for the first time ever in the history of these two programs that's kind of crazy Today, I'm going to preview the Citrus Bowl. Just a whole lot of fun or really interesting storylines in this game. And it's a game that I feel pretty good about the Hawkeyes winning. I'll get to my prediction at the very end. But it's not going to be easy by any means. The Hawkeyes are facing a 9-3 and team from the SEC, the Kentucky Wildcats. And, you know, head coach of Kentucky is Mark Stoops. He's the brother of Bobby Stoops, Mike Stoops, you know, two coaches that, that we've all heard of. Obviously, they, they all played football at the University of Iowa. Very familiar with Bobby Stoops. He was the coach at Oklahoma from 1999 to 2016. Everyone thought he was going to be the next coach for the Hawkeyes after Hayden Fry retired. And Bobby had a 190 and 48. 190 wins, 48 losses in 18 seasons leading the Sooners. He's just been awesome this season on the Fox pregame football show um, with his Go Hawks. He, <laughs> almost every game or every week, he ends up with a Go Hawks. Just so much fun to see. He's a newly inducted member of the College Football Hall of Fame, along with his former teammate, Andre Tippett. And most of us know Mike Stoops. He was the longtime defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. A guy that you would see just stomping, stomping, up and down, the field, yelling and screaming at the officials and just going nuts. Really passionate guy. You know, he was head coach at Arizona from 2004 to 2011. He's the current defensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic. It sounds like a retirement gig for the 60-year-old who is a year younger than Bobby. And actually, there's there's six total siblings. I think there's four boys. Uh, another uh, older brother who, who did some coaching as well at Youngstown State. Mark is the 54-year-old youngest brother, and all three, as I said, played for the Hawkeyes. Mark got his big break as the defensive coordinator under his brother Mike at Arizona. He then went to Florida State as the defensive coordinator for a few years before getting hired as the head coach at Kentucky in 2013. And, you know, you think about Kentucky, you've never thought of Kentucky as as a football school. They are a basketball school through and through. And he's taken a team that's never been much on the football field to a pretty respectable program. His record is 58 and 53. He's three and two in bowl games. He was named the SEC Coach of the Year in 2018 when Kentucky went 10 and three and won the Citrus Bowl. You know, first season, two and 10. They had a couple five and seven seasons and they, they've just kind of grown after that. And what, they won eight games in 2019. And now this year, 9-3, and three, a chance of 10 wins with a victory over the Hawkeyes at the Citrus Bowl. It was a nice season for Kentucky. You know They had some close wins against conference teams. They were ranked. They were 6-0. And they lost three games in a row. Kind of a parallel with the Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes were ranked number two in the nation at 6-0. Lost two games in a row to Purdue and Wisconsin. Then came back and won four in a row. Well, Kentucky lost three in a row, and then they finished the season with three straight wins. So that, that three-game losing streak was Georgia. They lost 13-30, to lost to Mississippi State in Starkville, 17-31, to lost a 42-45 to shootout to the Tennessee Volunteers at home. And the schedules in the SEC are really strange. They still just play eight teams. It's not like the Big Ten who play nine conference games. I really like that about the Big Ten. And they always play some late non-conference games in the SEC. So after they were 6-3, and three, Kentucky had to finish out with Vandy, a really bad football team, Vanderbilt. Then an easy romp against New Mexico State. Then they did have a rival game against Louisville. Louisville kind of down. They've been down for a while. They were 6-6 six and six this year, and that was an easy win for the Wildcats. The quarterback for Kentucky is Will Levis, and he's a guy the Hawkeyes offered before any other big-time D1 schools did, so he was their first offer. He he still talks about Kirk Ferentz giving him that phone call and and what that meant to him. He ended up at Penn State before transferring to Kentucky, and he passed for almost 2,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, 12 interceptions in 2021. Excellent 66% completion rate. Pretty high as far as interceptions. That's one per game. At Running back, Chris Rodriguez Jr., he's the main ball carrier. He rushed for 1,272 yards, eight touchdowns, averaging 6.2 yards per carry. He was second in the SEC and 12th in the nation this season in rushing yardage per game at 106. Levis will also tuck it and run. He has nine rushing touchdowns on the season. He averages over four yards per carry. And that's including sacks. So, so he's not afraid to tuck it and run. Something the Hawkeyes are going to have to watch out for. Receiver, it's another former Big Ten player. It seems like these SEC teams are rating the Big Ten. You know, some of their really talented players. Dale Robinson, the former Husker, he led the team in receiving with over 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. And after him, there's really just one guy as far as wide receivers, Josh Ali. He's a senior, had 41 catches for 600 yards, three touchdowns. The tight ends are Riggs and Epps. Both had around 170 yards receiving. They combined for 30 catches and five touchdowns. Kentucky's offensive line was named a Joe Moore Award finalist for the nation's top offensive line. (laughs) They're called, it's an appropriate name, the Big Blue Wall. And it's an experienced offensive line, 119 total starts, right tackle. Darian Kennard is a guy to watch. He started 38 straight games, 6'5", 338 pounds, just a massive blocker. He was named the top blocker in the SEC this season, and he was awarded with 30 knockdown blocks, only surrendered one quarterback sack all season. Center Luke Fortner, he's a super senior using his COVID year, First-team All-SEC also allowed just one quarterback sack this season. Really solid offensive line, more than solid. And, you know, the Hawkeyes have that young defensive line, but now they're pretty battle-tested. And they're just going to need to be really physical in this game and ready to get after it. Hopefully guys are healthy and they can rotate uh, a lot of fresh guys into this game. On defense, Jacques Jones leads the Wildcats in tackles. He's not a real big guy, six foot, even 235 pound linebacker, 82 total tackles on the season. One interception, just half a sack. He has a nose for the ball. Um, not a real big guy, as I said, and it seems like the Hawkeyes have, have struggled more with those really big, really physical kind of hybrid linebacker defensive end guys that are more 250, 260, 270 pounds. Um, And they don't seem to really have that on this Kentucky team. The second-leading tackler, DeAndre Square, 6'1", 225, three sacks on the season, 75 tackles. Weaver leads the team in sacks with 6.5 on the season. He's a little bit bigger. He's 6'5", 240, and then the defensive end, Pascal, he has five sacks. He's 6'3", 278 as far as weight. And the Wildcats run a 3-3-5 defense they do have a couple of 300 pounders rotate in the middle to take on blockers Uh, those guys get to meet tyler linderbaum for the first time this this game and and it's going to be interesting to watch tyler linderbaum typically just paves through those interior defensive linemen gets to the second level and puts a pad on those linebackers so keep an eye on that in this game Kentucky has a good defense. You know they're in the SEC and they only give up 336 yards per game. Again, they don't have they don't have that great of a, of a schedule as far as the SEC is concerned, being in the East. Uh, but they're ranked 24th in the nation in total defense. Iowa's ranked 15th in total defense, giving up 327 yards per game. So that's not much of a difference there. Kentucky is 51st. Overall, passing yards allowed 220 per game, so a little more vulnerable there. They only give up 117 yards rushing per game, very similar to the Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes giving up just 114 yards per game on the ground. As far as statistically, the biggest difference is on offense, where Kentucky is really quite a bit more proficient than the Hawkeyes. They rush for 206 yards per game. 206 yards per game. I mean, that's, that's impressive. That's good for top 25 in the nation. The Hawkeyes didn't crack in the top 100 in rushing offense, 120 yards per game. Kentucky is 71st in the nation in passing yards at 225 per game. The Hawkeyes have struggled a bit, you know, finished uh, so far this season 111th out of 130 teams at 178 yards passing per game. Overall, the Hawkeyes are 123rd out of 130 teams in total offense, Kentucky is 40th with 431 yards per game. And time of possession, that's another stat that's pretty impressive for the Wildcats. They hold on to the ball for a long time. You know, they got a great rushing attack. They're 14th in the nation in the NCAA in time of possession. The Hawkeyes aren't too bad actually, ranked 42nd in the NCAA in time but that's in part due to all the turnovers the Hawkeyes get, giving them more possessions than the than their opponents. And the Hawkeyes also, you know, they did rush for over a thousand yards, fifteen hundred yards. had a had a eleven 1, hundred yard rusher in Tyler Goodson this year, so they did burn some clock when they needed to. At nine and three, Kentucky looks really good on paper, but they did have a lot of gimmies on their schedule this year: Tennessee, Martin, Louisiana Monroe. Chattanooga. They only beat them by five points. And then, as I mentioned, you know they ended that season with New Mexico State, Vanderbilt, Louisville, Tennessee wasn't a good team. Even LSU was so down this year and, and kind of in disarray with the coaching situation there. And the SEC East is really not a good division, other than Georgia. You know, obviously, Georgia is a really good team. Kentucky was second the sec east followed by tennessee south carolina mizzou really bad florida team and a really really bad vanderbilt team which was 0 and 8 and 2 and 12 overall this year so as far as strength of schedule the edge goes to the hawkeyes here playing penn state wisconsin minnesota iowa state i want to mention michigan in that game that game didn't turn out near what we hoped for but the hawkeyes play nine big Ten teams in their in their schedule and I really like that 10 actually this year with that big Ten championship game. When you look at the strengths and weaknesses of these two teams, it's tilted quite a bit towards Kentucky on offense. They're a better offensive team and then towards the Hawkeyes on defense. and Iowa is a team that thrives on takeaways while Kentucky, is one of the worst teams in the nation in turnover margin. The Hawkeyes are third in the nation in turnover margin, 24 interceptions, three more than any other team this season, five fumble recoveries, 13 more takeaways than opponents this season. Kentucky, on the other hand, 128th out of 130 in turnover margin. They have six fumble recoveries, nine interceptions on the season. They've lost 10 fumbles after fumbling the ball 19 times. In just 12 games. Quarterback Levis has thrown 12 interceptions. So he's averaging one interception per game. They have a minus 13 turnover margin on the year. So the Hawkeyes have been winning games with these turnovers. Another way they win games is special teams. And the Hawkeyes have a big lead over Kentucky in their special teams. Kentucky does not have a good kickoff return team. They did have a good average as far as punt returns, but they've only returned 18 punts this whole season. That's three or four games for Charlie Jones. Every time the ball comes to him and he's returning punts, he's going to try to take it to the house. The field goal kicker for Kentucky, 8 of 11 on the season. So not much to draw from there. Fewer than one attempt per game and just a 73% success rate. Give the nod to Caleb Shudak easily in that category. He's been solid all season. They have a decent punter. He's no Tory Taylor, The punter from down under. Has done such a great job flipping the field for the Hawkeyes this year and helping with that field position game. Pretty big advantage in turnover margin. Huge advantage there and special teams. And Iowa this year has beaten teams with an offense better than the Hawkeyes by winning with turnovers, special teams, defense. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Top storylines to watch in this game for the Hawkeyes, who is going to start at quarterback? Will it be Spencer Petrus or Alex Padilla? Maybe it's Joey Lavis, the third stringer, officially now that Deuce Hogan is in the transfer portal. I think that's highly doubtful. I think the coaches are looking at a two-man battle in practice right now to see who can rise to the top. And I'm just hoping that one of those guys can step up and just give them no doubt who they want to put out there on Saturday. And and hopefully it's a guy that's going to go out there and be successful in that game. Will it be the pocket passer, the less mobile Spencer Petrus? Everybody calls him a statue back there. And he is not a mobile guy, but it's not necessarily the biggest issue with him. Tom Brady is not a mobile quarterback. Nobody cares about that. He reads defenses as well as anyone. He has a quick release. He gets rid of the ball quickly. Uh, he doesn't hold on to it. So he's and he's so accurate. And if Spencer Petrus was passing with a 65% plus completion rate, getting rid of the ball quickly, we would not be too upset right now. You know, he's completed at a 57% rate over 1600 yards, nine touchdowns, six interceptions, 24 sacks he's taken on the season and that's what what hurts so but those negative plays just hurt so much. Not sure how many of those sacks are on him. Uh, definitely some are. Uh, I don't know if it's half or more than half, but you know, how many are on the tackles that offensive line that's really struggled. This year, especially slowing down some of those Big Ten defensive ends. And there are a lot of good defensive ends that the Hawkeyes face this year in the Big Ten. I think it's a mix there. Spencer needs to get the ball out more quickly. That offensive line needs to be able to block better. And maybe they need to install some plays that are going to help them, you know, be more successful in getting the ball out quickly. Padilla, he's more mobile. He's not a dual threat quarterback. He's just 6'1", 200 pounds. He's only completing 49% of his passes. He had the opportunity to take over that starting job. Just hasn't been able to take it, at least, you know, resoundingly, just go out there and play way better than Petrus. He has 630 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He's taken eight sacks. You know, both guys, you know, you see the negative yardage due to those sacks, and neither and one is going to tuck the ball and run for a whole lot of yards. So, that is a huge one. Who is going to start a quarterback this year? Are they going to stick with them? Or are they going to do some sort of rotation? Another storyline in this game is Tyler Goodson. The junior will not participate in the bowl game. He's foregoing his senior season heading to the NFL. And this is a big deal because he rushed for over 1,100 of Iowa's 1,500 yards rushing this season. Ivory Kelly Martin's listed as the starter. Not sure if that's a nod to him as a senior or if he's really going to get significant carries in this game. He had trouble with fumbles earlier in the season, That he had injuries and has been out. He is Iowa's third leading rusher with 190 yards, one touchdown. Gavin Williams is second, with 49 carries, 207 yards. LaShawn Williams just 11 carries for 27 yards this season. So who's going to get the lion's share of carries in this game? Maybe IK- IKM is ready now. He's done some good things in his career with the Hawkeyes. Maybe it will be Gavin Williams. That's what I'm expecting. He's going to get the most carries. Maybe he'll have 15 to 20 carries. You know, LaShawn Williams with eight or so. Maybe IKM is going to get some carries. Hopefully, they can get a few carries for Monty Pottebaum as well. And some jet sweeps with Arlen Bruce and Charlie Jones just to kind of keep that defense on their heels. Goodson was Iowa's second-leading receiver as far as receptions, but 31, he's out, obviously. So Gavin Williams out of the running back position has seven catches on the season. Leading receiver for the Hawkeyes, Sam Laporta, with 48 catches, 548 yards. Keegan Johnson, 18 catches, 352 yards. Reganey, 26 catches for 331. Charlie Jones and Arlen Bruce, both with 21 catches on the season. I expect the two true freshmen to get a lot of looks in this game as well as Charlie Jones and Nico Reganey with Tyrone Tracy Jr. no longer on the team after hitting the transfer portal. He didn't have a whole lot of production this year, so not a huge loss on the field other than, you know, you could see him doing some good blocking out there and leadership, I'm sure. But hopefully, you know, these guys uh, that they're going to be sending out there are up for the task in game number 14 of the season. Jack Campbell. 126 tackles on the season. That's just phenomenal. Seth Benson with 95. What a duo at linebacker. And really, it's a three-headed linebacker crew with Justin Jacobs. He's a heck of a player. 49 tackles. Safety, Jack Kerner, 83 tackles. He likes to lower the boom. Super senior, Zach Van Valkenburg, 50 tackles. 3.5 sacks on the season. And the sack leaders for the Hawkeyes are Lucas Van Ness and Joe Evans, each with six on the season. Iowa's secondary, 24 interceptions this season. Most in the nation, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis averages one interception per game. Look for the Hawkeyes to get a couple of picks in the Citrus Bowl. With Iowa's defense, ability to generate turnovers, special teams, the Hawkeyes can win this game. The offense needs to be able to run the ball, and that task has been made much tougher with Tyler Goodson not playing in this game, so that's a That's just a huge storyline to watch in this game. You know, does, does Gavin Williams bust out in this game, make a name for himself, put himself at the top of the depth chart going into the spring or what's going to happen there? Which quarterback will start? You know, will one quarterback play the whole game? Will they both get a chance? I'm hoping that only one quarterback plays. I think if two quarterbacks play, that might mean things aren't going as planned with the guy that they started. And, so I'm kind of hoping not to see that. Well, did these extra weeks help shore up that offensive line? Are they, are they continuing to gel? Will the tackles be able to protect the quarterback and open some lanes for the running backs? That off-tackle you know, stretch play just hasn't been there this year. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Will there be a big special teams play? Charlie Jones to the house on a punt return or a kick return. Just some big plays by him like we're used to seeing, you know, 20-yard 20, 20 punt returns, 30-yard punt returns, just just that field position game that he's, he's helped the Hawkeyes with so much this year. Caleb Shudak, we have some clutch, long field goals. He's been solid this year. And can the Hawkeyes punch the ball into the end zone in the red zone? One of the issues this offense has had this year. Kentucky averaging 206 yards rushing per game. Will the Hawkeyes be able to slow them down, hold them to a more manageable number, closer to around 100 yards rushing in this game? Well, I'm picking the Hawkeyes to win 27-21. to 21. Special teams in defense keep the Hawkeyes in this game, lead them to victory. The Hawkeyes are plus two in turnovers. And in this game, and benefit from field position using special teams and get just enough offense to keep the Wildcats offense off the field long enough to get, get a big win in sunny Orlando. I was there in 2004. I guess it was January 1, 2005, for the Tate Holloway touchdown. Warren Holloway, the forgotten man, with his first touchdown of his career in the last game in the black and gold. And I hope the Hawkeye fans that are at the game this year get to leave with a victory. It always makes those bowl trips so much more fun. So let's get win number 11 on the season, Hawkeyes. Go Hawks!